That's why we love all the different people's religions of the world. But in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. And so, uh, people everywhere are created by God in His image, but people receive Jesus Christ, His Son, as their Savior. That's the ones that go to heaven. And, uh, man, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get this nation turned around. Man, I've had them for all the phony stuff, all the robin stuff. We got a really good sermon today, but I just come from a socialist nation. I saw what socialism does. And in our nation, I'm not preaching politics, but I've seen some politicians for the last several months what socialism in our country. And I'll just, I'll just give you a clue about socialism. When you spread the wealth and you take it from the working man, and the working man sees the guy doesn't work, gets as much as he's got, he's not going to work. And when he quits working, nobody pays taxes. Nobody pays taxes, nobody gets medical care. Nobody gets welfare, nobody gets food stamps, nobody gets freebies anymore because nobody's working. We just ministered in a hospital to sick people. Looked to me like I was back in the Civil War days. We was in a hospital that had people that if I took a seat out of a Civil War movie, that's what it looked like, this hospital. And we'll talk about things from the Word of God, about things in a minute. We saw, we saw a nation where we were just at, where there were very, very, very wealthy people, but the majority of the people next to those people were riding donkeys and walking. That's socialism. So I would say for you older generation people my age around us, start telling these young people been to see what socialism is. Amen. Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. It says a man that doesn't work, take care of his family is worse than a heathen. Get off this, Pastor. Get going. <laughs> but we want to help people. How can we help people if we don't deal with reality? America is a Christian nation. I don't care what any crooked politicians say. We're a Christian nation. That's why we were raised a Christian nation. We're celebrating today uh, our nation and the birth of our nation, that this nation was founded. Pilgrims came here. Christopher Columbus came here. They were all Christian people looking for a place to share the gospel, share their faith. Amen. That's why we were great. That's why we're going to be great again, because we're not going to let the devil have our land. Amen. I'll tell you what, Jesus... Jesus said, if any two shall agree on earth, touch anything, can be done by the Father. And when you're agreeing with the Word of God for the gospel to be spread, then the Father's backing you. Amen. And I'll say one thing. I heard from missionaries when I was a baby Christian, it's always stuck with me. These other people have gods they worship. Difference is, their gods died. Never came back. Our God died, but he came back. Amen. That separates us from every religion of the world. Our God lives. Amen. Amen. How do I know he lives? Because I lay hands on the sick. He backs me up. They do recover. I cast demons out of addicted people, oppressed people, and the demons leave. In the name of my God. Amen. Amen. I pay tithes to my God. My God rebukes the devourer for me. The blessings poured out on me. My God lives in my heart and he talks to me. Amen. How do I know that? Because I see the results when he talks to me and obey what he does in my life. Hallelujah. Who needs an outline? Oh, wow. Man, lots of them, lots of them, lots of them. You guys must have came on late or something. Because I wouldn't say somebody missed you. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see the title of our message? Jesus has given us freedom so we can free others. And I'm going to throw you off to start off with. I'm going to start off a different verse of what's on there. That's why it's a good reason to bring your own Bibles. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. And we need to see some things today to help us to do what we need to do. To number one, like Pastor Dave said, I love, I love what he said at the offering time. You know, it's stinking religious thinking to say, I don't expect God to bless me financially. I don't expect God to do anything for me. How can you help somebody else if you haven't been helped yourself? How can you bless somebody else if you haven't been blessed yourself? And so we are not religious people 
are deceived people that think that it's all about money, that bad off money, money, money rules everything. But without money, you can't do anything. And so when we have money in our hands for the right reasons, we can go to all the world and preach the gospel. We can go to our, all of Barstow and feed the poor. We can help the women that have been abused. We can help the children that are on the streets when we got money. If we don't have money ourselves, we might be on the streets. And so that was a really good message. But I want you to see this Colossians chapter 1. Talk about our freedom in Christ today. Amen. Colossians 1 verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the United States Welfare Department. Giving thanks to the President. No, giving thanks to who? The Father. Your blessings come from the Father. It says he's made us meet or to be qualified or he's made us able to be partakers of the inheritance. How many know that when Jesus died, he left us an inheritance? We read the New Testament about our inheritance. You know, this is called the will of God. It's called the will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. Has anybody ever received something from an inheritance? Anybody ever received, somebody read a will and you got something? Well, this is the will of God, the New Testament. In the will of God, he says, but my God shall supply all of your need. It says that by his stripes we were healed. It said we have his love in our hearts so we can love others with his love. There's a lot of things he left us. And so he's made us qualified to be partakers of the heritage of the saints and light. Now look at this. Who has delivered us from the power or the authority of darkness and has translated us in the kingdom of his dear son. And so we were one time living in a different kingdom, a different country spiritually, the kingdom of darkness. Satan was our Lord at one time. But praise God, this is about our independence, our freedom right here. We were delivered from Satan's power. We've been transferred to another kingdom. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And that forgiveness there, uh, in the Greek says, our sins have been remitted. As born-again Christians, our sins aren't forgiven, they're erased. But then as Christians... If we do sin, then we're forgiven. But when you're a sinner, you need your sins remitted or wiped out as if they never happened. So praise God. We used to be citizens of the kingdom of darkness. Now we're citizens of the kingdom of God. Somebody shout. Amen. Amen. And I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Now we'll get to your notes. And I want to say something about helping the people all around you, in your family, your neighbors, people you work with that are still in the kingdom of darkness, we can help them if you know what kingdom you belong to. And there's something I say all the time. I want to say it again as we're looking at these things. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual always determines the natural. Spiritually, we were Sons and daughters of the devil. John eight forty four. Jesus said that if you're not born again, Satan's your father. Somebody said, I don't really like that. I didn't like it either. I got born again. Now Jesus is my Lord. And so only when we know and walk in our authority as sons and daughters of God can we really help America be great again. I want to say that again. The Word of God says, not me, I'm just reading it. The Word of God says we were under the authority of darkness. Right now, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, most of the world is still under that authority because their eyes haven't been opened. Now listen to what I'm saying. This is going to be basically everything we're talking about today. Until you know personally yourself that darkness has no authority in your life, you can't help somebody else get free. Money's not going to get them free. Give them a handout's not going to get them free. Only the blood of Jesus is going to get them free. And you've got to know, you've got to know yourself, you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven before you're a citizen of the United States of America. You have rights under our Constitution, but you have authority under the New Testament. Your authority, your authority 
as a son and daughter of God, will enable you to walk free from the authority of darkness. You can't help people really be helped until you know who you are. You've got to know, number one, my allegiance is to my king. And then because God has you in America, your allegiance then is to America. But number one is God. Number one is Jesus. And when, you're, when, when, you're, when your government or any politician tells you to violate the authority of the scriptures, that's the time you say, no, I choose Jesus. And somebody said, well, that's rebellion. No, that's James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Somebody said, well, they might arrest me or do something. If I, if I resist them, would they tell me I've got to obey the Bible? I'll tell you what, God is not in the killing baby business. Amen? For one thing, God is not in the uh, relationship, sexual relationship arena, other than one area. That's called man and wife, married. And so there's certain things that Christians have to stick to, the Bible basics, even if it costs them something. And, you know, I want to say today, for the day we're looking at today, we're celebrating America's independence we wouldn't be here today if somebody wasn't willing to give their life a long time ago. And there's people today, there's people today, some of them sitting in here, that have been on the front lines of military battle today. There's some in here today that's getting ready to go do some things. And so, if you're not willing to stand up for what God tells you the Bible's true in a little old atmosphere where you are today, then how's anybody ever going to be free in your realm of influence? Amen. Amen. So I want you to see this in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, for our conversation, and if you've got a newer translation, what the Greek says, for our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think about where I know I belong as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and I think about Robert Valdez and myself. Where's, 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 where's Roberto? Where are you, Roberto? Okay, there's Roberto. Roberto, oh, we're back in America now. It's Robert. Roberto and I were in a ghetto in Nicaragua, as well as the rest of the team. The men split up, and the ladies split up. The night before... We bought food and made food bags together to take into the ghetto to these poor people's houses. And you think that you've seen some poor people's houses in Barstow. You haven't seen real poor people's houses. I don't know about poor people's houses where they illegally hook up extension cords and wire them together with no tape and hook them up to the power lines on telephone poles. And you just see a bunch of wires hooked together coming into the houses, little kids playing around them. You see little, the light septals that they get one of their walls just got wires coming into it trying to piece stuff together where they don't have running water and just pretty bad stuff. Anyway, we had a guy that went to a church there interpreting with us, went door to door because, you know, uh, he's not quite as gringo as I am, but I'm gringo. And so I kind of stick out. And so, but he's, he's a little bit more, you know, he can kind of fit in. But still, he don't speak the language too well to be able to have a conversation with people. So we're going to people's houses with this interpreter, let them know, hey, we want to help you some food and pray for you if we can, you know, Jesus stuff. All the way there, this guy... This guy's walking up the street, and this interpreter goes to a church in the neighborhood. And so I started wanting to talk to this guy on the street there, and me and Robert tried to talk to him and, and interpret. And then the guy just acted, acted goofy, and the uh, interpreter said he's deaf. He can't hear a word you're saying. And I said, oh, good. I said, are you able to read lips with or something in Spanish? He said, Yeah. I said, ask him if he wants Jesus to heal his ears. He did. And so I like to say it this way. He did, I did, and he did. And then he did. And so, Robert, you were right there, wasn't you? You were right there. And so I told the interpreter then, I said, get behind him where he can't see your lips. And ask him a question where he has to answer where you know that he heard you. So my interpreter got behind him and asked him something. The guy turned around and started talking to him. Amen. You know why that happened? 
because I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has no boundaries. The kingdom of God, Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, that the kingdom of God's within us. And so where I go, my king goes with me. What do you mean your king goes with you? Well, every kingdom, there has to be a king. I allow King Jesus to reign in the throne of my heart. In my heart, Jesus sits on a throne. I give me permission to. And so that means that when I go somewhere, whether it's at this altar here to pray for people in this church, whether it's down at a restaurant in town praying for a waitress or a waiter, or whether it's in Nicaragua or wherever it is, my king goes with me because I give him permission to. And so my king told me in Mark 16, he said, These signs shall follow them that believe. And then some religious person said, Well, that was for the apostles. Why didn't he say that these signs shall follow these apostles? The apostles that are believers, signs follow because they're believers, not because they're apostles. And so I'm a believer before I'm a preacher. Signs don't follow preachers. I know a lot of preachers, nothing follows them but trouble because they give place to trouble. Signs follow me because I give place to Jesus and his word. And so I can just say this. When I was there as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I laid hands, stuck my finger in this guy's ear, told the devil to let loose of him. I said, you don't have any right to flick this man. Get out of here in Jesus' name. I said, here, in Jesus' name. And the guy heard, in Jesus' name. And so what am I telling you? I'm talking about us, that if we're going to give people freedom, we've got to be free. If we're going to give people freedom, we've got to know that, number one, my number one allegiance is to my kingdom. Then my number two is to this earth. I'm in allegiance to no goofy politician. All politicians aren't goofy, but I'm in allegiance to none of them, making me all kinds of promises they can't keep. Every promise in him is yea and amen. To the glory of God. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a hand. And so I'm grateful and thankful for all the generations of Americans that have fought and died for our freedoms. That's what we celebrate. But my number one allegiance is to Jesus, my Lord and Savior, who gave me real freedom. So we are citizens of heaven in the spirit as citizens of America in the physical realm. Is anybody seeing that from the word of God? Amen. And I want to tell you, nobody, nobody loves America as much as I love America. I love America. I love what America was founded on. I love our military. I love the people of America, but I don't like what the devil's done in coming in through people and deceiving us in America to make us think that America was great because of stupid people. America was great because of people submitted to Jesus. They let Jesus be Lord of their lives. And America become great again when churches like ours begin to worship Jesus again. Begin to put the word of God first place over political correctness. Somebody said, what's political correctness? Just about everything that's taught in your schools today. Just about everything you see on the news today. There's a difference between biblically correct and politically correct. And what we need to do as citizens of the kingdom of God, citizens of heaven, when we see things come out that tell us you've got to do this, if that violates what you know from the word of God, you've got to say, Jesus, I love you first. And I'm willing if it cost me to go with what you said. Somebody said, well, what if it cost me? Well, one day I will stand in front of God. And I'll answer to him about what I did, but what I believed. And so I'd a whole lot rather stand in front of God and see him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You stood for what was right. Come on into heaven. Than to have him say, Well, you're done. I don't want to be done. I want to be well done. Hey, Amen. Somebody, somebody clap or something, man. Got to have you in this. And so uh, I want to say this. Make sure you read along with uh, me on our July, July devotions. How many of you know we have those devotions we had about the first of the month or on the Internet, etc.? And uh, the Lord led me this month for July to put spirit-led personal soul winning in the last days as our topic. And I, I'll tell you what, this morning, when I was in it, I'm the one that God gave to put them in there, but I follow them every day. But I was in it this morning. It blessed me so much. I saw this morning's scripture myself for an hour before I could ever get to study for anything for the service. Because it blessed me that much to know in this morning's devotion 
from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that the Spirit of God in me would reveal to me, it's what it says, His plan for my life. The Spirit of God wants to reveal to me the good things that God has for me in life. And as I know by the Spirit of God what belongs to me, I can help you. As I know from the Spirit of God what belongs to me, I can help my unsaved loved ones. I can help the poor man on the street. I can help the people that come to me saying, would you pray for me when I know what the Spirit of God is saying to me? So that's a good devotion. And the theme for the devotions are spirit-led, personal soul winning, that you can lead people to Jesus yourself, and you have an anointing to lead people to Jesus yourself. Amen? Amen. So go ahead. Go ahead, clap. Go ahead. Now, I want you to look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. And we're talking from the Word of God today about the freedom that we have so we can free others. And, you know, I, I just want to say, I know it's a holiday, three-day holiday week, but I'm going to have five awesome preachers in here tonight. Somebody said, well, I'm going to have hamburgers and hot dogs this afternoon. Have your hamburgers and hot dogs this afternoon. I'm going to eat this afternoon, too. But I want to come tonight to hear what five of the team, Leanne's not going to be here tonight, she's still out of state. I want to hear what five of the team have to tell us they experienced down there. You know, I have a lot I'm going to tell you this morning mixed in my sermons. But tonight... I wouldn't miss the night for anything if I was you, because you're going to hear some testimonies tonight, not just from the preacher, but from these other people that were anointed to preach in Nicaragua, reach out to those people. And I'll tell you what, it's going to light you up. It's going to excite you. So I would, I would say tonight, it'd be a really good time to say, Jesus, help me get some rest this afternoon. I want to go back and hear what you did through my church family down there to bless those people, because I want that blessing to spill on me so I can bless people here. Amen. It's going to be good tonight. Okay. Galatians 3.28. This is a powerful verse. It says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. That's about different races, different nationalities. There's neither bond nor free. That's all about servants and masters and things like that. There's neither male nor female. That's talking about genders. And forget the stupid political stuff going on in the world today. He said there's neither male nor female. Why? Because you're all one in Christ Jesus. You're all one in Christ Jesus. So in the physical realm, uh, we may be different races, different skin colors, different economic, educational backgrounds, or different genders, but in the spirit, there are no races. There's no economic or educational or gender differences in the spiritual arena. That's so great. You know, I'm just thinking about something. Uh, you got that slide up there? You got to put that next slide up, Joe. In Christ, we all look alike. That's some of our people minister in Nicaragua. There's Susan and there's Cindy. And minister some of the people up there. But I'm just thinking about something. When I was a Christian truck driver, I was a truck driver for a lot of years, I ministered in the same day. I think about one day. One day... I was downtown Indianapolis in an alley delivered to the back door of a downtown business. And some homeless guy come slobbering up, begging. And I had a sack lunch. So I gave him my lunch, this homeless guy. Well, about that same time period then, I went to a cafeteria to eat in another part of town in my truck. And they had a, a long uh, padded bench with tables at it. Then they had tables. And I was sitting there. And this old guy was sitting beside me at the next table. It was on this thing together. This and and this, I started talking. We just, conversation started. We're eating. And the guy said something about something. And he was an older guy. And I, I said something to him. The next thing you know, I was praying for him, led him to Jesus. Turned out, do you guys know who Burtek is? This was Mr. Burtek of Indiana. Turned out he was a millionaire, owned all the trash trucks. Same day, same day, a truck driver whatever class I'm in, Mr. to a homeless guy, whatever class he is, Mr. to a millionaire, whatever class he is. In the kingdom of God, when you see right, you don't see races. You don't see education. All you see is people. 
You see, people, when we get to heaven, praise God, we get to heaven. I'm not going to see what color you are. You're not going to see what color I am. You're not going to see my education, and I'm not going to see your education. You're not going to see my car. I'm not going to see your car. All I'm going to say is I'm so glad to see you. I'm glad you made it. And then you're going to be able to fellowship with people who were billionaires on the earth. You're going to be able to fellowship with people who were a different race on the earth. You'll be able to fellowship with different people who are different economic statuses, education levels like that. And you're not going to think, well, I got a Ph.D.D.D. and this guy's a high school dropout. You're not going to care. So let me ask you this. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever, we're supposed to follow him. Why should we care now? Amen. And, you know. Pastor, uh, somebody's thinking, well, Pastor, that doesn't apply to me as your nose is up in the air. Educated people, more prosperous people, don't look down on the uneducated. Don't look down on the poor people. We're all one in Christ Jesus, so why don't we start acting like it now? Hey, man, I think about that. I still, that guy's name was Fred Richards, that millionaire trash truck. I, I see his face right now. Of course, that would have been 30-something years ago now. That guy's long into, long into eternity. But I think about him. Well, I think about another day, too. I wouldn't plan on bunny trails. This might be a day for bunny trails. We had a missionary from China. Matter of fact, our church here supports her. We never had it in here yet. But from China, with us, was taking her to lunch at a cafeteria in another part of the state. And she's American, but she's Chinese, been there for a long time, fluent Chinese. And so we're going through this cafeteria line, and she's in front of me, Mrs. Pastor's in front of me, and I'm paying the bill. I got to the cashier to pay for our three trays, and I said, I'm buying that guy's too. <laughs> Some guy behind me. <laughs> and so it turns out he was a Japanese guy, probably a trillionaire. They had a new automotive factory they just built. I come to find out there were three brothers from Japan, and he was the brother from Japan overseeing the new factory. Trillionaire guy. And so he got there to, play, to pay his bill, and the cashier's trying to talk to him, but he speaks Japanese. And then we was able to get to him that I bought it. The guy, oh, like that. And so because I bought it, we invited him to our table. And so then Heidi... Do enough of the Chinese mixed with the Japanese, we led him to Jesus. And the guy, I don't know how rich he was, whatever rich he was, it was pretty rich because they was Japanese people that owned stuff in Japan and around the world. He's got led. How? Somebody said, well, I, I, don't, I don't know how that never happened in my life, but maybe you got to lose a dollar and buy somebody's lunch sometime you don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe you got, maybe you got to think sometime. When the Holy Ghost tells you to bless somebody, don't reason it out. What will they think? Or what will I do? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. The voice of strangers they'll free from. And so don't you think it's pretty nice that, number one, a low-level truck driver can lead a wealthy man to Jesus? And then number two, just a little guy from a little 12,000-member town church, 12,000 people in the town from a little church, down to ten buck two, go up by an absolute trillionaire guy or whatever he was to Jesus. We have to realize that when we're in Christ Jesus, we get past the look at the people on the outside and recognize I'm a citizen of my kingdom. My kingdom is heaven. I'm representing my king. My king sent me down to expand his kingdom. And if you know anything about especially the old world days when America's been found and stuff like that, people did send their ambassadors around the world to try to expand the goodwill of their nation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we're ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. And I'll tell you what was a very joyful day for us. Last Friday, we were driving down the main street of Managua, and all of a sudden, we saw an American flag flying high in Managua. Great big compound, fancy buildings, stuck out like a hill thumb in that society. And, and our guide said, that's the American embassy. I about cried. I saw that flag flying down there. 
I saw prosperity there because we were there in Nicaragua in that embassy representing our nation. And so we, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, represent our kingdom. Our kingdom says, give it, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over. Our kingdom says, cast out devils. Our kingdom says, lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. Our king said, freely you receive, freely give. Amen. If that don't light your fire, your wood's all wet. Amen. This is for you. This is for me. We've got a job to do. You know, there's, there's a politician saying he's going to make America great again. He's not going to without Jesus. Amen. We're the Jesus carriers. We're the ones that will make America great again. Because what's the sale of the money that the atheists tried to take away from us? In God we trust. I didn't think it said in Allah we trust. Or in Buddha we trust. Or in some God we trust. Talk about with that logo we'll come up with, it was a Christian nation all the way. That's what said it. God, everybody knew it was only one God we were trusted. Somebody said, I am starting to get offended. You are doing nothing but talking about politics. Well, if you're that goofy, then I don't know what to say for you. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the Bible, what Jesus said. You cannot, in spite of what politicians tell you, you can't separate church and state. Every politician that's ever been elected, they legislate upon what they believe. You get atheists, anti-God people into office, that's why our laws have went downhill. You get Christian men and women into office, the laws start coming up again. Amen. And so it starts right here. We may, we may have a governor in the future of California sitting here today. As they grow up, there may be something sparked today. Well, all the time they grow up thinking, wow, I heard what that pastor said, what the Bible says about my citizenship, and I feel called to politics. I want to run for office. I want to be the mayor. I want to be a city clerk. I want to be a councilman. Or somebody thinking, well, I want to go to law school, and I want to be a judge. Well, praise God. I believe in Jesus' name. America will still be here when you get through law school, and you grow your judgeship, and one day you may be you may be the chief justice of our Supreme Court. Amen. Don't, hey, how many know that every judge and every president started off as a baby? Somebody influenced George Bush. Somebody influenced Barack Obama. Somebody influenced Hillary Clinton. Somebody influenced these people's young people. That began to develop into where they are today. And so we have got to know but we're hearing things like we're hearing today. You've got to get it in your heart that when people tell you things contrary to what the Word of God says, you've got to do your own thinking. You've got to pray. You've got to seek God. You've got to look at the Bible. And then when you hear things in school, which, and we've got a lot of good school teachers in our church too, so I'm not at all pounding school, man. To me, to me, the most powerful, under the persecuted missionaries in the world are our school teachers. They are missionaries in a hostile environment. And so we're not at all knocking the schools. But I'm just saying that whatever area of life you're in, when people are trying to change your thinking that you know is contrary to the Word of God, you're going to have to make a decision. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. Amen. Do better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so anyway... Uh, in Christ, we all look the same. Now look at Galatians chapter 5. And somebody said, Pastor, you're coming off pretty strong. My God's strong. My God is weeping over America right now. My God wants America to come back to its roots to Him. Amen. And I'll tell you what, I dare to say that when you come tonight to hear these five anointed preachers tonight, you're going to hear some more amplified what I'm telling you because they saw the same things I did. They serve the same God that we do. And God wants to light your fuse. You know, I'm just thinking. How many know that Jesus was a really nice person? Most of the time. 
I remember one time he come into his father's temple. And the Bible says he made a whip. And it says he went in, he turned their tables over, threw their monies out. He cracked the whip, said, get out of here. Said, you made my father's house a den of thieves. Supposed to be a house of prayer. I remember another time Jesus was talking to the elite preachers of the land. They were called scribes of Pharisees. And he said, you snakes and vipers. Said, you're like a bunch of dead men's bones. Said, you guys are like a morgue. You guys are dead and you stink. He told them that. You know what that's called? Righteous indignation. That's called righteous indignation. We need to sometimes get a little righteous indignation again, the times we live in, and just stand up for what's right and say, man, I can't take any more of this. You guys have polluted. You guys have destroyed. You guys have blasphemed what's right with my land, and I don't want any more of it. Ephesians chapter 4, don't go there. Verse 26, 27, 28 through there says, Be ye angry and sin not. We can be angry about things and angry about things that people do without sinning. Amen. Galatians 5, verse 13 and 14 says this. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. And that's what we're talking about. This is Independence Day, liberty. Liberty and justice for all. Only, only use not liberty for the case to the flesh. And this is about liberty in Christ. But by love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I want to say it again. Thank God for Independence Day. But more importantly, thank God we've been freed from Satan's power and eternity in hell. We're free to serve Jesus by serving one another. We're free to serve Jesus by serving one another. Picture time, Joe. Amen. You recognize those faces? Amen. They're serving. And... The Lord's been showing me a cycle about what he's doing for our church right now. I want you to listen real close. There's no place in the whole world I would rather be than right here in Barstow, California. No place I would rather be than the high desert of California. I lived in Indiana 54 years, but God changed my call. God changed my heart. I love where he has me at now because this is my assignment in his army is right here, right now. I don't see anything ever changing, but if he ever does something, then he's going to have plenty of people here to take care of what he started here because I came in as relief, but I don't see myself ever leaving. I plan on either getting raptured out of California or getting buried in California. Somebody said, well, what about cremated? My wife doesn't believe in it. She doesn't want me cremated. So we're planning on living a long time and apply it. But what am I saying is this. I'm saying God has my heart in California. I love all the people in California. I love the high desert of California. I said that to say this. More than any place in the whole world, I want to help the poor people in California. More than any place in the whole world, I want to get the addicts delivered in California. More than any place in the whole world... I want to break the cycle of prison and out and prison and out for the people in California that I see all the time going through that cycle. And so the Lord's been showing me something about this phase of our life and the missions. And is everybody listening? Am I boring you? Are you wake up? Everybody's, you're hooked up. I want to make sure you're hooked up because I'm just talking to myself. I'll go home and preach in the mirror. But I want to make sure you're hooked up what I'm saying because you and I are one. We're one in the spirit. We're a family right here of God. And you know what I love to hear? I've got to get what I want to say. What I love to hear, I love it when I'm talking to you, individual different ones of you, and you quit saying, I love this church, to where you start saying, I love my church. I love it when it quits being the church and becomes your church. I love it when you tell me about talking to your family, people you work with, and you say, I invited them to my church. That does something to me. 
because God has us here together. And so when God changes me, then God changes you because I lead you and you follow me as I follow Christ. Here's what I see. I wrote it down up here, but I know I'm going to be able to say it how I wrote it down this morning. There's a cycle going on in this church right now. Number one, here's what's happening. I've been training you from the Word of God how to live right, how to live strong, how to live healed, how to live prosperous, how to live with your family getting back together, those kind of things. I've been training you from the Word of God for some time at that. And now God, for the ones that feel led, are going to the mission field with us, and they're getting experience and practice of that. I saw people, I saw people on my team, I just took Nicaragua come out of their shell for the first time. I saw people, because I was in a church, I had 200 Nicaraguans sitting there I was ministering to, and I told my team, before I ministered them, I said, I want to tell you something. I cannot pray for all those people one at a time. We won't leave tonight if I do. I said, you guys are going to be my altar team. I said, you're going to pray for these 200 people with me. And so they got experience in praying for people in a foreign land, in a foreign language. They come back bolder. And so what's the cycle I see? Okay, I've got, I got to tell the story while we're in this. I'm preaching like I do here with an interpreter. And has anybody ever seen me get excited when I'm preaching? You know why? Because I believe it. Because I've lived it. Because it works in my life every day. I'm preaching... And this place where we're preaching is so bad, this area, that the pastor with us pulled our bus up right beside the door of the church. He said, but you guys get out. Don't look left. Don't get right. Go walk right that door. He said, when you come out, said, don't talk to anybody. Just walk straight to the vehicle. Get right back in. He said, I don't want you getting hurt here. That's what kind of area we were in. You know, how do you get robbed in Spanish if you don't speak Spanish? I speak the name of Jesus if anything ever tried to happen. But anyway, in this place here, in this church, I'm preaching healing strong. I'm preaching about how Jesus heals people, how he heals them today, yesterday, forever, how he heals people. I, I don't remember what all I said. I probably gave some examples of people. Yeah, I know I did give some examples. People got healed in the church. And so we got, I got my altar team ministering to all these people here. And so they're ministering. And then the pastor calls me over and says, come here, come here. I want you to hear this. And so this lady come up to the pastor. I figure she said, I went to church there. He says, I don't know this lady. Says she was on the sidewalk, listed out on the sidewalk, and she had serious abdominal issues. I don't know, female troubles or what it was. And said she got healed out there on the sidewalk. And then not only that, he said she doesn't know Jesus, and she wants to. So he said she wants to rededicate. So that must mean sometimes she knew him. And so he said, Pastor, I want you to pray for her. And so I said, okay, Pastor, I want you to interpret. And so I led this girl to a prayer of salvation. She gave her testimony of what happened. She said, I was on the sidewalk and heard the preaching. And said, the you know, interpreter said my words, says, talk about Jesus, the healer. And all of a sudden said, something got on me and all my pain left. And I knew Jesus healed me. True story, Susan. Susan was there. Amen. And so what am I saying? I'm saying that church family, they kind of got excited. They kind of got excited. You know what that pastor said to me when I left? He said, whatever you come to Nicaragua, make sure you come back to my church. Get my church. Come to my church. Results. But this church, and I'm not lifting me up at all. This church gets me every week, all the time. And I'm not at all saying they're big about me. The only thing that caused something to happen there is I preached the Word of God to those people. They heard their Word of God, they got results. At this altar, sick people get healed every week if they want healed. Wednesday night, I've seen some of the biggest miracles I've ever seen Wednesday night at this altar, on Wednesday nights even. It happens. And so our people, in this cycle I'm talking about this, a lot of you are wallflowers. What's a wallflower? Well, when I used to go to school years ago, we had dances. And the wallflower was the girl sit up against the 
wall. Nobody ever asked her to dance because, I guess, because she wasn't, didn't want to feel she was worthy to dance or whatever. They call her wallflower. And so wallflowers are Christians. They just sit out here and hear it but never do anything. And so some of, some of you chose this last time you wanted to go with us. So down there, the wallflowers blossomed. They got in full bloom. And so now, training here, the experience there, produces results here. The cycle. So now they come back here from Nicaragua, more bold, more willing to pray for people. And so that's going to spread here to where people here are going to say, I want to go there. And then when you go there, you're going to think, all I want to do is have a little soup spoon and feed the babies. Well, you can have the soup spoon and feed the babies. But when the pastor preaches in the church, you're going to help pray too. I was pretty excited about that myself. Amen. Amen. So we're free to serve Jesus, serving one another. First John 4:19. Is anybody getting blessed out of this message today? Amen. Amen. And I want to say it again. In that cycle, in that cycle, this church right here, High Desert Word Center, is about 50 years old. Praise God for Pastor Long that pioneered this place. Praise God that he had the foresight to buy this grounds. He had the foresight to design these buildings and do what he did. And I want to tell you something, the history of this church. The devil's tried to kill this church a lot of times, but God's got a big plan for this church. Amen. Amen. I want to say that again. I want somebody to get excited with me besides me. The devil's tried to kill this church a lot of times, but God had a big plan for this church. This church is going to go. Amen. We have buildings here. We have lots of grounds for lots of things. And we're looking, been praying for some time about a Hispanic church in our next building. Service, et cetera, et cetera. And not just a little low uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon service, a full-blown church in our building next door, hooked up with us, preaching what we preach, believe what we believe. And I believe that all this training is part of that even. I told, and by the way, Robert Roberto was my interpreter at the first church we preached in. Roberto came out of his comfort zone. And next time, lots of other people come out of their comfort zone to help us interpret. But what I saw was this. For the Hispanic people in this community we want, to, we want to minister to, I told Robert, Cindy, and Susan, Monica, Leanne, the team that were learning Spanish more and more, I said, that's perfect. You guys learn all you can because God's trained you for Barstow, California. We get back to Barstow, California, and where's Jesse at? Montenegro here? Jesse not here. Okay, we got more than one Jesse. Okay, Jesse is going to be my primary interpreter for our Hispanic service. But then if we got lots of Hispanic people here, these guys getting more trained. They're going to be the altar workers, the altar team, the greeters at the door. Because when we get people coming in to our Hispanic service, if all they got is the white preacher from Indiana greeting them at the door, they're not going to have anything to identify with. And I'm saying that real. I'm saying that real. But when they, when they have some of you that look more like them at the door greeting them in their language, they're going to come in and be comfortable, and then they're going to think, well, if these guys trust this white guy talking to me, then I can trust him too because they do. Is that real or what? That's how it works. How many people here is this white guy from Indiana helped? And what I'm saying is, oh, I said, I didn't see you. What I'm saying is it's the word of God through me. It doesn't make any difference what the package looks like. It's what he's delivering. Amen. Amen. But you've got to be able to receive the package to receive the message. And so God wants to do great things here. He's going to do great things here. And nothing this church does is by chance or accident. God's opened up these other places to us because we're right here in the high desert like the children of Israel in Egypt. We're crying out to God for victory and deliverance from the stupid stuff. Amen. Amen. I have had it with seeing drug deals in my town. I've had it with seeing some of these punks in my town messing with the kids in our town trying to pull them into their arena. I want to get these guys born again. I want to get these kids delivered, and I want to keep the future kids from having to get delivered. And so I know to do that, the Word of God 
the word of God through believers of this town will change this town. And, you know, I have a lot of good pastor friends in this town. But I don't love any church like I love this church. You know, and I've always said it this way. Whatever church you go to when I'm talking to different church crowds, your church better be the favorite church to you in the whole town. Your pastor and your thinking may be the best pastor in the whole town as far as that goes. And so what he's saying, Pastor, I'm saying God has a lot of good people in this town. God has a lot of good churches in this town. But in my opinion, this is the best church in this town. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so you guys, you guys, you guys are the best congregation in this town. And we're going to help the most people in this town because that's what we want to do. Amen. Cindy, let's get the list outside for the next trip. I think I got you about 100. <laughs> Amen. First John 419. This is our soul winning verse on our high desert word cylinder calendar. The Lord gave me this in the middle of last year. And he said we wanted our calendars to be like a salvation track. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Now, you see that picture of that little girl up there? You got more pictures of that one or just that one? Back it up to the other picture of the girl. You barely see that little girl up there. That little girl up there, we were at a church, and you might as well get the picture of what you think a church is, because the church was in the jungle with a piece of metal up there and stuff around. And just, anyway, it's a whole different thing. So the church was outside. At this church that day, they were celebrating their Father's Day, their Mother's Day, their Family Day, and their Children's Day. And so we got some pictures you'll get to see tonight. Where's Dave at? McNeil. I'm not seeing people today too good. I see Kelly's hand, but I don't see Dave. Oh, Dave's looking down. Are you on your iPhone, Dave? Oh, you're probably following the verses. Okay, sorry. There's Dave. You'll probably see some pictures tonight. They kept calling Dave up there to the line, stand up in front of the people when they're doing father stuff. Then they called Robert up there. So we got some video footage of these guys up there in front of this church out there. So we sat there for a long time. We watched clowns. We watched puppets. All kinds of stuff. The main thing we saw was all those precious little children getting blessed. The little children getting blessed. I'll tell you what, we saw those happy mamas smiling as their kids got blessed. And Roberto was there doing what Roberto does best, handing out candy. Did those things. But, so this is the atmosphere we're in there. And this atmosphere, after it's done, that our ladies and our gentlemen are serving food to all the kids and the people from the food line there. They're serving the food. And then pastor comes up to me and says, when you get a chance, I want you to go pray for that little girl over there. That's that girl right there. That's her mom on the left. You can't see her dad. He's a little bit there. It's what? Well, that's me holding the baby in case you can't see it. You probably didn't recognize my black hair, did you? <laughs> oh, it's changed. There was black. It was brown. But you probably didn't recognize me. That's me holding that little child. And that little child was three years old, is three years old. And a while back, suddenly, that baby got attacked. And they said it was nerve damage, something happened to the central nervous system where it just went limp. And so for some time now, the baby's just totally limp. Beautiful little girl. They asked me to pray. As I was walking around the grounds, I just prayed in the spirit, listen to see if God would give me anything particular for this little girl. And so then, after a while, they come and said, Pastor, Paris, what you're going to pray now, could you come and pray? So I went over there, I looked at her, and I thought about another little boy. My little boy got to grow up. The devil tried to kill my boy, but he's three and a half years old. Same type thing. Totally normal. All of a sudden, he was crippled. He had leukemia. He was crippled. And so I was already a very powerful believer. So they had him in the children's hospital, etc. He got healed with leukemia. He got his, so all, that's all I'm thinking. I'm holding this little girl. And all I'm thinking is, no, devil, you're not going to take this little girl out of here. You're not going to keep her in this condition. So I asked the mom if I could have the baby. So I just walked around for a while with that baby with me. Had my hands on there. 
just releasing the power of God, rebuking the devil, pleading the blood of Jesus, praying for that family. And, you know, like I said, that hospital there is not a hospital you really want to put your dog into if you love your dog. It's a hospital not not modern at all. The nurses in the hospital, they love God, love people, I'm sure. The doctors do, but they have nothing. So they can't really help people like we can help people. And so I walked out of that little baby, just praying for that little girl. And I know in my heart, based upon the word of God that I know, that the anointing of God I released into that child's life, I'm waiting to hear the report back. Because the pastor we were with goes to that church all the time and preaches. And so I want to hear back from him. When they tell that little girl jumped up and started walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. And I want to say it again. That's our calendar verse for the year. We love him because he first loved us. He loved me when I wasn't a good person. He loved me enough he didn't let the devil kill me before I got born again. I came into the family of God and he loved me enough to teach me the word of God so I could get my boy up. Amen. And so I'm going to share what he gave me around the world. I'm going to tell everybody everywhere what God's done for me. And every opportunity, I'm going to pull these little children out of darkness. We were in that hospital. The most significant case to me sticks out to me out of the whole trip for me personally is this. We were praying for people in this hospital, me and Robert and Dave and uh, Pastor Frank. They let us go into the hospital. So we were just going from room to room. Praying for people become the children's ward. It's not for the faint-hearted. In the children's ward, we come up to a little crib, and little crib is a rusty old thing, rusty, flies flying around. All these mamas sit all around this room just crying. These mamas just crying. They have no hope, just crying. And so we felt we prayed for a lot of people. And we got pitched. Do we have pitched? Does anybody, did anybody get pitched a little baby we prayed for in that crib? Robert does. Okay, you can see the. Anyway, went over there. Beautiful little Nicaraguan mama sitting there on a chair. Just had her head on her baby then, but I'd say probably maybe three months old, laying there in the crib. And so Pastor Frank then walked up to ask her what was going on, and the baby's got pneumonia. They don't have any there help the baby with because they don't have it. Sit there, watch the little baby in this condition. And then says that the baby was born with some kind of a thing that God already healed part of it because it to be a Christian mom. Said her baby needs a heart valve. But how do they do heart valves in the jungle when they don't have this stuff? And so then she tells Pastor Frank that for the pneumonia, some kind of antibiotic she needed, said it cost $17. And she doesn't have $17 because the hospital will give it for free. Socialism doesn't have it, guys. They run out of freebies. Somebody says, I want all the free health care. Well, you'll have all the free health care until the government's totally broke. Then you won't have any health care. So anyway, it's $17. Little baby there with pneumonia, $17 for a prescription at a hospital. And she can't have any medicine because you don't have $17. So put my hand there. I prayed for that baby for a while. And I know in the name of Jesus, I wasn't there by chance or accident. That little baby, I believe, got a new heart valve. God healed the pneumonia. And then Pastor Frank was able to give her $17 to give to the people there to give her that medicine for the baby. Amen. And what are you saying, Pastor Samples? I'm saying the worst day in America is far better than the best day in a place like that. Amen. You better be grateful for what you got. And you better be very serious about your prayer life and your political life, who you vote for how they stand with God on things like that. Our America will be where those people are if we don't get this turned. Amen. And so on that counter, that's our verse. We love him because he first loved us. Uh, I, I, I want to read this Colossians 128 of our living Bible. This is our marching orders. This is our marching orders from our commander in chief, Jesus. So everywhere we go, we talk about Christ to all who will listen, warning them. And teaching them as well as we know how. We want to be able to present each one to God perfect or mature because of what Christ has done for them. I just think about our church. Our church. 
Is anybody excited about our church and what God's doing in our church? Amen. Does anybody think our church is dead? No, our church is full of the life of God because the people of God in our church are hungry. They want more of God. We're hungry for the Word of God. We want God to use us more. Matthew 25, because time's getting close, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to point out a couple things out of Matthew 25 for us. Yeah, we're talking about Jesus, our lives, and the people that we're called to help. How many have ever read this passage in Matthew 25? Anybody ever read this before? We've got about six or seven of you. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the rest of you, read this when you get home. I think probably more people's done that. They just didn't raise their hands. I want to ask that again. How many people's ever read this passage? Okay, a few of you have. Most of you haven't. Okay, at some point in time this week, read this passage. But what this talks about uh, is Jesus telling us that he's going to judge us someday for what we did for him. And he judged what we did for him by what we did for our fellow man. By people in prison, sick people in hospitals. Poor people on the street, the down and outers, the hungry, and all those kind of people. But I want you to notice them. This verse, uh, <clears throat> oh, verse, verse uh, thirty-eight. We'll just start right there. He said, "When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? And when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee?" And the king shall answer and say unto them, this is talking about judgment. They were being judged. Verily I said, you look at this. Inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Jesus said, I take it personally when you minister to a sick person. He said, I take it personally when you feed a hungry person. He said, I take it personally when you minister to the prisoner. In other words, People that are losing in life need people like us that are winning in life to take the gospel to them and show them how we got what we've got. And then this next class of people he talks about are people that didn't go, that didn't obey him. I'm not talking about going to Nicaragua overseas. I'm talking about going to Barstow. I'm talking about going to that person that clocks in with you on your time clock when they tell you when you come in the job, And you say, praise the Lord, this is a good day. And they say, what's good about it? My mate just left me. My child just got arrested. My mom's sick. My brother's addicted. And I don't know where I'm going to get my next house payment. Then you go unto them. And you say unto them, you know what? My child used to be addicted like that. My brother used to be like that. My mom used to be like that, and I used to be just like you. But somebody told me about Jesus. And so now, fellow worker, fellow worker, I want to tell you, I may not be down in Nicaragua, but you're a down and outer, and I've got some good news for you. Jesus loves you just how you are. But Jesus loves you so much, I'm going to tell you, he doesn't want you to stay how you are. So what do you need to do? that you begin to share your testimony and tell them what Jesus has done for you. Now, I want to show you something here very significant. We're closing this out now, then we'll have communion together. And so, uh, verse 44 and verse 45, I want you to notice this. Then these people that didn't reach out to other people, then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick? Or in prison and did not minister to you. Then shall I answer them saying. I want you to notice this. Verily I say unto you. Inasmuch as you did not to one of the least of these. You did it not to me. I want you to notice verse 45. He said you did it not to one of the least of these. And then notice verse 40. He said you did it to one of the least of these. My brethren. The people that got ministered to. Became brethren. Because of the love of God. The people nobody reached out to did not become brethren because you didn't do it. I didn't do it. We didn't do what we're supposed to do. When we share the love of God with the people we judge to be the least deserving, that that's what they do, what we do, because I was the least deserving at one point in time. 
I was loved. I share that love. Because I was loved, I got bored again. After I got bored again, I had this religious Christian I worked with at my truck dock. What do you mean religious Christian? He judged everybody, threw stones at everybody. Nobody wanted to be like him. One day, I came in from the dock. I just led a man to the Lord out of our dock we worked with every day. I come in. I said to this man, this religious guy that I worked with for lots of years, I said, hey, I just led so-so the Lord out here. He put his religious face on. Did you get him baptized? I thought, you nut. You work with him every day all these years. And you never got him saved. I led the Lord. We'll get the water baptism. We get to the water, man. We don't have any on the dock. And so then, he said something else to me. And I said, I want to tell you something. I got this face then. Righteous indignation. I said, how come I worked with you all these years? You never told me about Jesus. You know what he said? I thought you was too mean. I said, well, I was as mean as the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. I never killed any Christians. I never put them in jail. That's what Paul did. That guy humble said, you're right. I should have told you. And so I said, don't worry about that. I got to throw the dock. We'll get him baptized. But at least we got him saved. We got him into the family. So I want to tell you from that story, don't you look at their face. Don't you look at their life. You see, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither druggy or dopey or clean person. We need to look at the heart. And then we need to share what we've got. And I'll tell you what, if they reject you, that's between them and God. If they receive what you've got, then praise the Lord. You say, Jesus, another crown, I'll throw at your feet. So winner's crown. Amen. Anybody get any help out of this today? Anybody get blessed? Praise God. Amen. I'll tell you what, I, I, I want to buy the tape. If we sold tapes, we still say that. We don't sell tapes. We do CDs and online. So let's stand up. Now, what we're going to do today, being Family Sunday, we're going to receive communion together as a family. How many here, and this is not a set-up question,